Welcome to Big Valley Grace Community Church. Welcome to everyone who's in the cafe, those who are watching online as well. I'm excited that we're here together today, that we can come together to worship Jesus Christ and lift him up. Uh, as, as Pastor John was sharing about the finances, you know, it reminded me of just the, the, the ways in addition to finances that our church is being a blessing to our community and uh, really partnering with other churches, partnering with other ministries in our town as he's talking about the Christmas Eve offering. Um, ways that we're seeking to really build unity by the power of the Holy Spirit among the churches in our town. And in fact, Pastor Rick, that's where he is this week and he's preaching a Christmas message at another church in our county. And over this past year, in 2018, we've had many pastors uh, go out to preach at other churches to try and encourage and build up those who are there, as well as many people of the church members here, family members, going to serve and to really participate and being a blessing to other churches and other ministries in our town. And so uh, my hope would be that in 2019, we do that even more. And uh, we continue to give God glory as we seek unity by the power of the Holy Spirit in his church. And each week, uh, as uh, Pastor Bobby led us with the Connect card, we really have the opportunity um, for our church family to, to share prayer requests. And it is true, if you don't feel, you know, don't let us know you're here for a few weeks, you're gonna get a phone call. And it was, it was my great joy to call Pastor Bobby this week and, and to check on him. And uh, even though he was in the office right next to me, I enjoyed the phone call nonetheless, just to call on him and just to see how he's doing and why he's been ditching church. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, we've been uh, just kind of calculating up what are the themes, what are the themes of prayer that we're seeing in our church family, and uh, this week I want to share with you the top five that uh, you, us, together, we ask for prayer about in our church family. The largest theme was found on 29% of the cards, and it was the theme of health. It may have been physical, spiritual, or mental health, but health was the largest theme found in last week's prayer request from the Connect Cards. Uh, the second largest theme was found on 25% of the cards, and it was the theme family. It may have been family in general, or kids, or marriage, or wisdom, and leading, but family was the second largest theme of prayer in our church family. The third largest theme uh, was found on 10% of the Connect cards, and it was the theme of the lost, which was increased from the week prior, and possibly because we begin to think this time of year who we might invite uh, to come to our church, to be our guests, and that we'd be praying for those who are lost. The fourth largest theme was found on 7% of the Connect cards. It was the theme of work. And the fifth largest theme was found on 5% of the Connect cards, which was the theme of praises and thanksgiving. And then you fill in all the percentages beyond that with unique prayer requests that maybe weren't in a category like one of those. And so I share these with you really for one reason only, and it's really as an invitation for you to join us as we're praying for our church family. These are the major themes that are present in our family. In fact, we're gonna do this right now together. And I would encourage you just to bow your head. You've seen that image, you've seen those top five. And just right now, where you're seated, I would encourage you to bow your head and to take a moment to pray for your church family. They're the people who are sitting in front of you and behind you and, and they're the people who will be here tomorrow and, and the different locations that our church gathers and the different times. And that you would take a moment and to pray for those who call this place their church home. So let's do that now. Take a moment and bow before the Lord and just on your own, pray for your church family regarding these things.
Father God, Lord, we thank you that we have this information. It's just, it's data that we've shared with one another and uh, that we would know what, what these major themes are of prayer for a church family. And so in faith, believing that you will give an answer, we lift up the needs of our church family to you. And may we continue to really be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, your son. And so it's in his name that we as a church family pray and all God's family said, amen, amen. It may be that for some of you, your prayer request right now in faith before God seems like the impossible, that it would be impossible for God to heal you or your loved one, or that it might be impossible for God to reconcile your broken relationship Or that it seems like it is impossible that God will bring to salvation that person that you have been praying for for so long that they would come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. It might be that you are uh, seeing it as impossible that your work situation would work out or that you would get that promotion or that raise or that new job that you and your family so desperately need. And whatever the impossible is, that stands before you, I believe that's the exact location that the Lord God Almighty wants to meet you at right now as we get into his word. That he would show up with you in that place that you think is impossible. It's at this time, we're gonna turn our attention as we study the scriptures together tonight. I invite you to open your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter one. Verses 26 through 37, it's here that we will, this passage that we will really launch into our time of study tonight as we continue in this current series that we've entitled Songs of Christmas. At the end, we will have Songs of Christmas and our message will really lead up to those songs. If you don't have a copy of the Bible for your own personal use, we'd like to give you a free copy of the Bible. Come to the altar room right after today's gathering and we'll give you a copy of the Bible There's also printed notes in your program, those note sheets. I think they're going to be very helpful for you as we frame our time together and we logically walk through some passages. I think it will be useful for you. And so now let us hear the word of God together. This is Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 37. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee near Nazareth, called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And in coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, will be called the son of the most high, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. 
Luke, who was a doctor, was extremely careful to record three times in this passage that Mary was a virgin, twice in verse 27 and once in verse 34. Mary, who was a young teacher, or not a young teacher, uh, a young teenager, she was completely aware that in order to have a baby, a woman would need to have relations with a man. Joseph, whom Mary was engaged with, was most certainly aware that he had not yet engaged in sexual activity with Mary. And Elizabeth, Mary's relative, was most assuredly familiar with the fact that she was far past the childbearing age. All of these things, to Luke, Mary, Joseph, Elizabeth, they would have been impossible in their mind. And yet here, the angel of God named Gabriel had a completely different story. And Gabriel's story included a character named the Most High, whose power overshadows other stories. Through the presence of another character named the Holy Spirit, revealing a third character named Holy Child, Son of God. You see, all of our impossibilities, they are defined by what is not. Yet here, the angel of God, Gabriel, gives a message about what is. Because what is, is the overshadowing power of the Most High, brought by the Holy Spirit, revealing the Holy Child, the Son of God. That is what is. When our impossibles, defined by what is not, meet the work of God defined by what is, that which is impossible becomes possible, for nothing will be impossible with God. In this historical account, we we don't just notice the impossible, that is only half the story, the what is not. We also notice what is, and what is is quite amazing. What is is the power of the Most High overshadowing each and every one of our stories. What is is the presence of the Holy Spirit revealing the Holy Child, Son of God. What is is beautiful, and what is beautiful is only made as such because of pure light shining on it, which is why it would be no surprise to us that the beauty of what is is defined in this way. In 1 John 1, 5, it says, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. God is Light, his very essence is illuminating. And it should not surprise us that when who is God meets the impossible of what is not. And when that happens, that the darkest people, problems and places become as bright as the noonday sun. A masterpiece of beauty illuminated by the very light of God. This is who is, and who is God has been making the impossible possible throughout all of history. And as we prepare to look forward to this celebration of Christmas, we must look back 
at what God has done so that we can slow down and take a moment to notice the impossible displayed in the many, many expressions of God's light. And that's what we're going to observe together today in Scripture, that you might enrich your celebration of Christmas by noticing the impossible displayed in four expressions of God's light. We'll look at four of them. The first is this expression of God's light, number one, creation. And so we take a moment to notice the impossible displayed in the expression of God's light in all of creation. In Genesis chapter one, verses one through five, it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening. And there was morning one day. Do you notice the impossible that just took place? God, who is light, creates out of himself light by merely speaking it into existence. The very words of God express who is light into created light. And later in the same text in verse 14, it says, then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on earth and it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. And he made the stars also. And God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. Through the prophet Isaiah, God clearly communicates who he is and how who he is impacts what he does. In Isaiah 45, verse six and seven, it says, God says, I am the Lord and there is no other, the one forming light. God is light and God lights up everything he does. God lights up everyone he comes in contact with. Here's a great, a great question, it's found in Job 25, three. Upon whom does his light not rise. In other words, is anyone exempt from the light of God? Is there anyone that can hide from the overshadowing power of the Most High? Is there anyone that can avoid the presence of the Holy Spirit, which reveals the Holy Child, Son of God? Don't rush by this. Notice the impossible displayed in the expression of God's light in all of creation. Now what's unfortunately obvious is in this point is how far from the beauty of God's light all creation wandered. And the Apostle Paul, he writes pointedly to describe the decay and the decline of creation. And this is in Romans chapter 1 verses 18 through 21. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness of unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because 
that which is known about God is evident with them, for God made it evident to them, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations. And then check this out. And their foolish heart was darkened. But just when one might think that the story is impossible because of what is not, he who is powerfully overshadows. In Isaiah 9, 2, it says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. And this brings us to expression of God's light. Number two, the incarnation. And so we take a moment to notice the impossible displayed in the expression of God's light in the incarnation of the Son of God. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, we read this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. Did you notice the impossible? Because it just occurred. God, who is light, shows up himself as the true light by taking unto himself human form. Where previously the very words of God expressed the light of God into a created light, now we see the very word of God presented as the true light in the person of Jesus Christ the Son of God, the Incarnation. Later in the same gospel, we see Jesus say this in John chapter nine, verse five. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Don't rush by this. Do you notice the impossible displayed in the expression of God's light in the incarnation of the Son of God? Once again, the impossible story is powerfully overshadowed by the Most High. The presence of the Holy Spirit revealing the Holy Child, Son of God. The story gets even better as the true light did not come just to be present beside darkened creation, 
but the true light came to actually express his very light to redeem creation. In John 8, verse 12, it says, Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And this brings us to the expression of God's light. Number three, which is salvation. And so we take a moment to notice the impossible displayed in the expression of God's light in your salvation. In Matthew chapter four, verses 16 and 17, it says this, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light and those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death upon them a light dawned and from that time Jesus began to preach and say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand did you notice the impossible the invitation that Jesus makes God who is light shows up himself as the true light by taking unto himself human form, the very word of God presented as the true light in the person of Jesus Christ, the son of God, and he calls to those in darkness to come to the light. In fact, Jesus extended this call out of darkness and into his light in many different ways as displayed in scripture. In John chapter three, verses 19 through 21, Jesus says this, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. And again, so directly that, that one would really have to completely ignore him to miss the clear call of Jesus Christ to come out of the darkness and into the light. He says in John chapter 12, verse 46, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. Don't rush by this. Notice the impossible displayed in the expression of God's light in your salvation. No man, no woman, no child must remain in darkness any longer. The true light of God has clearly called each man, woman, and child to come out of the darkness and into his light. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, and he puts it this way in chapter five, verse eight. You were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. 
And when who we are changes from darkness to light, everywhere we go, will be brightened by the light of Christ. Our story powerfully overshadowed by the illuminating Most High in the presence of the Holy Spirit, our story begins also to reveal the Holy Child, Son of God. And if you are here tonight and you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, today's a great day to do that. There is no reason that you need to live in darkness. But there is every reason for you to step out of darkness and be called unto the one who calls you, who is Jesus Christ, that you might become a child of light. Right after the gathering today, I would encourage you to come to our altar room and to talk and to pray with one of our spiritual leaders. You may have come onto our campus tonight in the dark but you have every opportunity to leave our campus as a child who walks in the light. This brings us to the expression of God's light number four, which is invitation. So we take a moment to notice the impossible displayed in the expression of God's light in your life as an invitation. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, God says this about you who believe and have faith in Jesus Christ. He says, you, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand... And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Did you notice the impossible that is described? From a land that is dark, a people who are walking in darkness, a great light dawned upon them and Jesus beckons you, repent for the kingdom of heaven isn't near. You place your faith in Jesus Christ and he transforms you into a child of light. Now everywhere you go, you're an ambassador of the light of God. You are brightly shining every step that you take and God is shining through your life so that people would see you. They would see God in you. And they would glorify our Father. As the sons and as the daughters of darkness are transformed into sons and daughters of the true light of God, their very presence reveals the light of God wherever they go. The apostle Peter, he writes this in 1 Peter 2, 9. He says, but you... But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God uses you as a child of light 
to represent the kingdom of light to those who yet remain in the kingdom of darkness. Is that not remarkable? Is it not remarkable that God uses us? I know me, and I think it's remarkable that God wants anything to do with me. It is mind-blowing that God would choose to express himself and express his light through us. What a privilege and what an honor to carry the light of Christ. May we do it boldly to represent the living Lord Jesus Christ everywhere we go. God is not done doing the impossible. God is not done overshadowing stories. God is not done calling unto himself sons and daughters of the light. And God is, is definitely not done being the true light. In fact, the sons and the daughters of the kingdom of light will soon see the light of God revealed face to face in person. The prophets of the Old Testament, they looked forward to that hopeful day in heaven. Isaiah writes in Chapter 60, verse 19, no longer will you have the created sun for light by day, nor the brightness will the created moon give you light, but you will have the Lord for an everlasting light and your God for your glory. The apostle John, he was caught up in a heavenly vision of God and was commanded to write down what he saw so that he might have a glimpse of the things God is yet still to do for the sons and the daughters of light. And in Revelation chapter 22, verses one through nine, it says, then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the lamb in the middle of the street. On either side of the river was the tree of life bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse. And the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his bondservants will serve him. They will see his face. His name will be on their foreheads. And there will no longer be any night. For they will not have need of the light of a lamp. Nor the light of the sun. Because the Lord God will illumine them. And they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. And then I, John, he says, as he's writing, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren and the prophets and of those who heed the words of this book. Worship God. Worship God. That's the proper response when we come face to face with the light of Christ. Worship God. Worship him. Don't settle for anything less. It's where it all leads. It leads to the worship of God. Every expression of God's light, it beckons us to come and worship the creator God, to come and worship the incarnate God, to come and worship the savior God, to come and worship the inviting 
God. And somehow, I don't know how, some way, Mary, this, this very young girl, in this passage in which we started from the mother of Jesus, somehow as a young teenager, she was in tune to all of this in some way. Because we see it clearly in her response to the angel Gabriel. She simply says, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. A humble response of obedience and submission. A simple attitude of sacrificial worship. And may it be true of each of us as well. During this next song, I would encourage you just to stay seated for this first song. And as the musicians, they minister to each of us through this beautiful song of Christmas. May you be so refreshed that Christ is your light. Father God, Lord, we love you. And we, we, we want to come to this same conclusion as the mother of the Christ child. That we would be led to a humble and a simple attitude of worship before you and your beautiful, beautiful person. May each of us decide to really accept the call you so clearly make to welcome us as a child of light into your kingdom by faith in Jesus Christ, the holy child, son of God. And may this Christmas, we have a fresh perspective in our worship of you and in our invitations to others to do the same. You are the beautiful God of the impossible. And today we notice you and all of God's family said, amen.